Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Michael Bratton of That SEC Podcast, and it's always good to catch up with him. And Mike, as always, man, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? Hey, doing great, guys. And uh, I'm sure you know, but uh, tomorrow it's going to be 100 days from kickoff to the Cincinnati game. So I'm doing even better than usual. <laughs> yeah, we're getting closer to having just double digits when it comes to uh, the days away from college football, man. And I know that uh, there, there's always some stuff going on. We were talking a little bit about the CBS schedule that was released and we know that's always a big deal too but uh what'd you make of the schedule release man and which some games that you think will be most interesting on there yeah well i mean it's uh to be expected but they've all but uh assured us now that texas a&m trip to alabama that's going to be on cbs and of course you know they're going to make that the night game i have to assume at this point in time but that November 12th place looking pretty good, too, because I think LSU at Arkansas, that's got to be under consideration. And uh, don't overlook October 8th, Tennessee at LSU. I think that's going to be a huge game for both uh, programs. Uh, those are just kind of, you know, they haven't announced those yet, but I think that those are kind of the games that we're looking at for these uh, CBS doubleheaders. What do you make of Arkansas' schedule overall, even uh, some of the non-conference games? Yeah, I mean, no doubt. Like I mentioned, Cincinnati. You know, I don't think that Cincinnati is going to be all that impressive. Uh, clearly, they, they lost so much talent to the draft and everything, but it's not going to be a pushover. I mean, Arkansas came out pretty slow last season against, I think it was Rice, if they play like they did there. You know, there's a there's a small chance they may even get upset. So, Sam Pittman and company, they've got to have the Razorbacks ready to go week one. They're playing Bobby Petrino's Missouri State. That'll be kind of fun. Uh, that trip to BYU, though, in mid-October, that that's an interesting one because you just you, you never know what you get with BYU and their 25-year-old men they got out there. So uh, uh, that's a wild card that I don't know why Arkansas scheduled that game, but uh, that, that's one where Arkansas, you know, they, they may be going, I don't want to call it a buzzsaw out there, but I think that'll be a little bit of a hostile environment going into uh, Provo, Utah. Yeah, that's a game I'm looking forward to for sure. Just to tra- I think it's just cool to travel there. Like, forget the game itself. Just uh, having the uh, ability to go out there and be in Utah. Because, you know, the West Coast has not been very kind to Arkansas. The last time, at least to my knowledge, that they went out to the West Coast for a football game was against USC in 2004 where they lost 70-17 to to Reggie Bush and Matt Leinert and all those guys. So uh, maybe, they- maybe there can be a little bit of redemption there uh, as well. But I also saw that the odds came out for the SEC championship, and I was a little surprised because obviously Bama's the favorite at one to one. Then you have Georgia five to four, and then A and M eleven to one, Florida thirty three to one, Ole Miss thirty three to one, Kentucky forty to one, Tennessee forty to one, LSU fifty to one, and then you have Arkansas and Auburn tied at sixty six to one. Now, am I saying that Arkansas should be in the top three? No, but I was a little surprised to see that the Vegas odds didn't have Arkansas ahead of some of those teams, especially given an easier schedule than what they had last year. Yeah, I mean, the, the Razorbacks just continue to be doubted, and uh, I think if I'm an Arkansas fan, I love it. I mean, I was uh, catching up with, uh, I, I know a guy, you know, John Ty Richardson the other day, and, and we were kind of predicting where the media will put Arkansas in the preseason poll come media days, and I told him, you know, I wouldn't be stunned if Arkansas is sitting there at fourth or maybe even fifth in the West because, they just always seem to give the benefit of the doubt to LSU and A&M and 
now you, I guess you got to throw Ole Miss in there because they got Lane Kiffin, and he's always good for a quote. But uh, I think Sam Pittman and company are going to just continue to get uh, looked down upon. Uh, whereas, you know, I think there's a good chance they're the biggest threat to Alabama to win the West this year. So there's really good odds right now at 66 to one. That's probably the best value bet on the board. How close are teams to closing the gap with Alabama and the West, especially a school like Arkansas? Yeah, I mean, I'm not one of these guys, Joe, that thinks Alabama is just going to steamroll the SEC. Now, I certainly understand. I think you have to make them the favorite to win the West. But uh, last time I checked, they lost to A&M last year. It was not a very good team. Uh, They nearly lost to LSU at home. LSU had two opportunities in the fourth quarter to win that football game, come up short. Auburn, another five-loss team, had Alabama on the ropes, should have beat them. So this is not – I don't know where anyone's getting it. This is going to be some, uh, you know, elite Alabama team that's going to go undefeated and just torch everybody. I I think the gap is a lot closer than people think it is in the SEC West. So – uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the gap is thanks in, in large part to Sam Pittman and his coaching staff and, of course, K.J. Jefferson and company. I think that gap's a lot shorter than people make it out to be. We're speaking with Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast here on Out of Bounds on the Jones and Son Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. You know, one of the things, too, that uh, has been so fascinating, of course, was the, the Jimbo and Nick Saban saga, which continues on. And you know, it's just funny because you used to have this thing where there was like this mutual respect and Jimbo was always speaking highly about Nick, and then now it's completely been turned on its head. I mean, do you think anything's going to result from this, or is it just going to make for great popcorn-type entertainment when it comes to SEC media days? Yeah, I mean, I would be pretty stunned if the SEC, like, suspends either of them, unless, you know, maybe they come out here guns a-blazing at media days, but... I think Sankey will have this thing corralled by uh, the, the spring meetings that are upcoming next week. But uh, it's fascinating to watch. And really what I think this all comes down to, uh, I know a lot of people got Nick Saban's back. He's the greatest of all time. And I, I legitimately think that. But uh, he seems like he's, you know, I don't want to go as far as saying threat. And some people are throwing that out there. I mean, Alabama's still a dynasty. But uh, it certainly seems like he's kind of butthurt that uh, they lost so many recruiting battles to Texas A&M and, and a- the, a- the Aggies had what a lot of people are calling the best recruiting class of all time. And I think, I think Nick Saban is such a competitor that uh, he's going to do everything in, in his power to make sure that doesn't happen again, whether that's making his case all off season long, I think he's just going to continue to do it. We've seen a, a bit of a change with Nick Saban as far as he wanted to get that message out there, but he said he was wrong in the fact of singling anyone out with Texas A&M, with Jackson State. But Jimbo, on the other hand, he's been asked about possibly talking to Saban and and mending things there, and he's sticking to what he says pretty much, and he's done with it and doesn't want to talk to him. Yeah, and I mean, why would you? Because uh, this is, I mean, this is not the first time Jimbo's had to hear this. He's had to hear it time and time again, and, and Nick Saban can walk back his comments, didn't mean this, didn't mean that. But last time I checked, Joe, he's sitting there with a microphone in his hand with, I don't know how many video cameras were in that room, but I've seen about 10 different versions of that video. I mean, he knew exactly what he was doing. He was he was playing with his base. He was asking them to step up their NIL game, and I think it's just kind of hypocritical of him to come out, out here and say he's never bought a player when uh, he's had to fire a number of assistants for 
what they've done in recruiting. And, and we all know what happened at, at Tennessee under Jeremy Pruitt. Well, where he learned that from? He learned it from Nick Saban. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not buying this that, uh, you know, Alabama runs the cleanest program in the country and, and they've never done anything to skirt the rules. Well, that would be my question is like, okay, so who runs a clean program? You know, because to me, clean programs aren't winning. You know, just with college football. Like, I'm sorry that Ohio State, you can't tell me that, oh, they're, well, they're clean. Or Oklahoma or whoever. I know that may be just very uh, a simplistic way of looking at it. But, man, Mike, I don't think any program that has success in college football is a clean program. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to rattle my brain. Maybe Vanderbilt. Uh, you mentioned <laughs> BYU. You know, maybe. It seems like that. But, uh, yeah, not in the SEC. I can promise you that. And it's just going to get worse. Because, uh, uh, they're going to do what it takes to win, too. So how much does NIL play into this whole deal? Because this is something that all started with NIL. We knew it was going to change how things were done. But now it's a question of, is this done before the players get to campus, after they get to campus? It's all based around NIL. Yeah, no doubt. And I don't think you can walk it back. I, don't, I just don't know how you can because you've already got guys that are getting paid. And you could try to close that window, but uh, I would imagine there's going to be lawsuits immediately. And, you know, i got to be honest, Joe, I'm, I'm all for it. And maybe it's because I'm a Tennessee grad and this is how Tennessee is uh, trying their best to close the gap. But, uh, you know, if Nick Saban and Dabo Sweeney and Kirby Smart are the loudest voices against this, you know, what do they all have in common? They've been dominating the sport the last decade. Uh, so I, I'm in favor of this completely. Uh, everybody is making money in this sport aside from the players up until now. So, uh, hey, more power to them, I think. Yeah, I think most people are on board with that as well. And I even saw that Lane Kiffin, who's someone that I don't necessarily like, but, you know, he was right in, in the regards of saying, hey, this is – he's like, this is, is a sustainable model. Everyone keeps saying, like, saving on their end. There's, there's no sustainability. It's like, no, it is sustainable. It's just a matter of you getting on board and, and getting with it and then, you know, kind of molding it and letting it organically work its way out. Because I don't see any way that you can just put in rules or anything like that and say, okay, well, boosters, you can't pay any of these NIL kids uh, or any of uh, these kids' NIL deals when they're recruits. You think they're going to do that? No, of course not. They're still going to do it. So I think it is sustainable. It's just a matter of, hey, you either get on board or get off the train because it's moving. Yeah, and as soon as the SEC, you know, not that I think they would ever try to do that, but as soon as they do, I'd say the Pac-12 will open it up even more, the Big Ten. I mean, they're going to use it to their advantage. And, and the SEC, the last thing they're going to do is put themselves at a competitive disadvantage. So I think this is just the beginning. I think, you know, maybe these some of these figures, you know, they're, they're kind of eye-opening. I don't know if they're going to maintain at that level, but uh, I don't think this is going anywhere anytime soon. Looking at the other side of the SEC, you said that Alabama, you don't necessarily hold them in such high regard like many people do, but – Georgia, defending national champ, and then you mentioned being a Tennessee guy. How far away is Tennessee from challenging Georgia and the top of the SEC? Well, <laughs> I think Tennessee's still got a ways to go, unfortunately for me. But, uh, you know, that just speaks to more than anything just the incredible depth and recruiting that Kirby Smart and company have racked up there in Athens. I mean, they're, they're still going to be uh, – they should be the heavy favorite to win the SEC East, but – uh, I, again, that's another one where I'm not of the opinion. I've already went on record on the Paul Five Bob show that he asked for a bold, a bold take. I said South Carolina will beat them at home 
uh, week, what is it, three of the season, right after the Arkansas game. So I don't think Georgia's going to go undefeated. I do think they'll win the SEC East, but Kentucky, you got to put them in there. Tennessee, maybe Florida, if Billy Napier can get that thing going year one. I'm kind of waiting to see if that's realistic or not. And I love what they're building in South Carolina. I don't think they're going to contend for the East necessarily, but I think they're going to pull an upset or two because they pulled about uh, three or four last season. I think they'll continue that upward trajectory. So I think the rest of the East is, is getting on firmer ground, but still Georgia is going to be the team to beat overall. I guess here's my here's my question for you too, and I guess we can include Texas A&M in this, but there's only a few teams in, since 1992 in the original expansion of the SEC that has played in an SEC championship game or at least multiple ones. Arkansas has played in three, but Mississippi State's played in one. Ole Miss hasn't played in any. A&M hasn't played in any. Uh, Kentucky hasn't played in any. Uh, between and I think of course South Carolina I think has been to two. But or just one. But either way, between those teams, who would you put stock in as far as who would make their next appearance in the SEC championship game among teams that haven't either made it at all or made it very seldom? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think I would have to lean Texas A&M just based on the the recruiting success they've had. Now, Jimbo may find a way to screw it up. Uh, He's done a poor job the last uh, season, certainly, and and, uh, you know, I, I think he's a little bit on subtle. I think some of this coming at Nick Saban is him trying to even rally more support there in College Station. But talent at the end of the day in college football rules all others. That's why Alabama and Georgia are currently at the top. And that's uh, Texas A&M with their recruiting. They, they could soon certainly be there if they figure out that quarterback position. So I'd have to say A&M unless, like I said, Jimbo finds a way to screw it up. How do you see LSU this season? They're looking to bounce back, and they have a new head coach who is a proven coach, but uh, not proven in the SEC. Yeah, it's funny you you, you mentioned that because I was just talking with uh, T. Bob Bear the other night, and you know he's sitting here saying LSU maybe could win nine, ten ball games. I just don't see it. Now, you know maybe I'm completely wrong, but they're one of these teams that have just loaded up with transfers this off season to kind of. Uh, shore up the roster, and you know how does that, how's the chemistry go into the season? Uh, if they were to play a game right now, I don't think they'd have any idea who their quarterback is. It's a battle between several players. It's not even down to two. It's down to about three or four down there at LSU. So uh, I think LSU is going to be a lot better by the end of the season than they are at the start. And now they open very tricky game. It's in New Orleans, so they should have more fans there. But they play Florida State right out of the gate. And I don't think very highly of Florida State, but I know that coach has been there a number of years. And that game may decide whether LSU is going to make a bowl game or not because uh, I think it's going to be tough for them to get to three or four wins in the SEC this year. All right, let me ask you this too, Mike. SEC National Championship or the field next year, what, what are you taking as far as a team from the SEC or a team outside the SEC winning the National Championship? Oh, I always go SEC, John. You know better than that. But uh, I, I don't think we'll get another all-SEC national championship type game. That we, we only get that about every three or four years. But, uh, yeah, I'll definitely pick an SEC team to win the national championship. All right, so let me let me rephrase that question then. When's When do you feel like, as far as you know, the field and all of that, like how many more years do you expect the, uh, the SEC to win a national championship? Because – you know, they've, they've been dominant, and we know they went on that long streak of like eight straight years or whatever, but do you think that the SEC going forward 
is going to win because they've won three straight now. Are they going to go and continue on to this run, or do you see a team in here in the near future being able to pop up and win a natty? Yeah, I always think it's a fluke that the SEC doesn't win. So let that streak ride. But, I mean, there's just not many contenders out there. I mean, Ohio State obviously has won. Uh, Michigan finally made it to the playoff. They got blown off the field. Uh, I'm not a believer in Southern Cal until we see it. Oregon, again, not a believer in them. I mean, there's people touting teams like Utah. If Utah was in the SEC West, they'd probably finish fifth or sixth. So, uh, <laughs> I, to me, it's it's all SEC all the time. So, yeah, I'm leaning SEC is going to keep this train rolling. Yeah, I kind of think so too. At least that's what I'm hopeful for, man. And uh, you know, we—I can't wait. Do you know on the schedule when Arkansas and Tennessee play each other again in football, as far as the rotation or anything? Because I feel like it's been a long time. Maybe I'm trying to remember the. Last, I guess well, I guess one too long. It was in 2020, so they, you know they did play then. But I wonder yeah, when they the basically next... ended Jeremy Pruitt there uh, in Pittman's first year. Yeah, exactly. It was like it's kind of the nail in the coffin, but. Uh, I was just curious if you knew off the top of your head the next time they go to Neyland Stadium because I feel like that's probably a, a trip to where, who knows, if it's here soon, that'll be an interesting thing between two coaches who seem to be on the up and up with their respective programs. Yeah, and that's one thing, John, that I'm just I'm just dying for them to fix this SEC schedule. That's going to be on the agenda at the spring meetings. I mean, it's a joke, like you're saying. Uh, I can kind of remember it. I think it was 2015 when Arkansas came to Neyland Stadium, Brett Bielema, Butch Jones, Tennessee jumped out to a 14-point lead, but uh, the Razorbacks came back and won. And I remember that specifically because Bielema ordered a pizza, and uh, the pizza place put UT pepperonis all over it. So, uh, But it is a joke that uh, we're in the same conference, yet these teams rarely play each other. So they really need to fix that, and I hope they get to a point where Tennessee and Arkansas are playing every other year like it should be, like, like all teams in the SEC should be. Yeah, let's hope that ends up happening. Mike Bratton of that SEC podcast. Always appreciate it, Mike. Have a great weekend, man. We'll catch up with you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys.